This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode number 102. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is episode number 102 of the show. Great show lined up for you today. I have Kyle and Sarah, who is the co-owner and co-founder of Whole Patina Pizza in New York. He was on our live show a few weeks back. So if you joined us on the live episode on Tuesday at 8 p.m., probably about three weeks ago now that this is coming out, he joined us live, had a great live conversation. We talked about what his business is like, how he's using social media. But this episode is a little bit more structured, a little bit more details of what exactly he's doing, how we got started in the business, and what he's using social media for. And he's heavily using Instagram and Instagram stories, and we talk about that on this particular episode and how he's using Snapchat. Maybe it's changed and evolved for him a little bit. And also what programs he's running with local realtors to get his catering business established and growing. We talk all about that on this episode of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. Before I get into today's episode, I just want to say thanks to the guys over at Pizza Phone System helping me support the show. If you are looking for some kind of system to uh, prevent these times that your cable goes down or your phone lines or online ordering goes down, the pizza phone system is a great system for that. It has a cell tower backup, which means that you'll never have downtimes because if that one particular point in time where your online ordering goes down, it immediately gets backed up by the cell tower. So check out the guys over at pizzaphonesystem.com. They also have 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year support. Um, and I actually did a live show with them too. So if you want to see, I'll link that up in the show notes for this episode too. All right, let's get into the episode with Kyle and Sarah of Pulpatina Pizza in New York. And stay tuned for the end of the episode. We'll have some special announcements. So after this interview is over, stay tuned. I want to talk to you about something. All right, welcome back to the show. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me again. Kyle was on our live show uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, but he's joining me on the podcast today. Kyle, how are you, man? I'm great. How are you, Bruce? Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and how you got into this crazy pizza business. Um, okay. So we started uh, Pulpatina in 2010 here in Westchester County in New York with our first location um, with my partner, Mike. Uh, we opened up our uh, second location about three years ago, also here in Westchester County, New York. And um, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're doing the... Uh, the Pulpitina Pizza thing for the last six years. Now, what kind of style of restaurant is it? Is it a dine-in or is it a delivery or both? We are uh, mainly a dine-in restaurant, full-service restaurant. Um, our original location in East Chester is about 40 seats. Our Larchmont location is uh, almost double that. But we do a hefty amount of takeout on you know the, the typical nights, Friday and Saturday night. No, did no you, delivery. Did, no delivery, okay. Did you start in the pizza business or did you start somewhere else and kind of get into the pizza business? No, I uh, actually started working um, right out of college. I started working on Wall Street, uh, so I'm a, I'm a career changer. So right after 9/11, um, I, I was working in, in Midtown Manhattan, and I uh, was forced to look at things in a different way and realize that I didn't want to continue to do what what I was doing. So um, started the more traditional restaurants, fine dining, kicking around New York City, uh, over New Jersey, a little bit down in the Caribbean, and. Um, Met my partner, Mike, on a consulting gig, and uh, that's where we started with Pulpatina. Hey, wait a second. You worked in the Caribbean, and you came back to the New York area? 
exactly. Yeah, you start to regret, you regret the decision right around now, right around Halloween. <laughs> yeah, totally. This is coming out November 2016, yeah. so it's starting to get – I'm from Boston. You're from New York. Um, yeah. It's starting to get a little chilly around here, and obviously January, February are like brutal months in the Northeast, so that's probably when yeah. you think back and you're like, why did I leave the Caribbean to come back here to be cold all <laughs> bunt? I am, and especially since, I mean, there's a there are these girls down there who have a boat that uh, floats around and, you know, that sails around, rather, I guess you'd say, and makes pizza. I was like, I could have done both. Wait, this they have a crazy. boat that sails around and makes pizza yeah. on the you boat? Yeah, I don't know them personally, but it, it's pretty cool. It's called uh, Pizza Pie VI. Yeah. And um, it's awesome. Where, it's, it's where, where in the Caribbean is that? What, what, what island? Uh, I believe they're based out of St. John or St. Thomas, but uh, right around the U.S. Virgin Islands area. Oh, nice. Is that where you worked? I did, yeah. Yep, I was on, uh, I was on St. John. So, you know, you could work down there a little more, uh, a little easier than you can in, in other Caribbean islands without uh, all the visas and stuff. So it's U.S. territory, so oh, that's gotcha. how that worked out. And why did you get into pizza? So you were on Wall Street. You wanted to change a career to get into the <laughs> restaurant business. Why pizza? Um, you know, like I said, my partner Mike and I were more into uh, fine dining for a while, uh, farm to table, uh, you know, dock to table kind of stuff, uh, super hyper local, seasonal, and um, we just kind of were like, what, where can we just make food that people want to eat when they're hungry, you know, and it, pizza was sort of a natural uh, tendency for us being New Yorkers, and he had worked in some, um, you know, big time, uh, big name pizza restaurants here in Westchester, and um, it just was, he was making the pizzas for family meal, and then we sort of collaborated on some of the other stuff that we were going to carry. You know, we, we call ourselves sort of like an American pizzeria, you know, so we're not totally traditional Italian. Our, our roots are based, obviously, in Italian-type cuisine, and, and the pizza obviously helps solidify that. But, um, you know, we, we kind of brought in all the different elements of places that we have worked, but also including the pizza, and, and it's sort of like a little bit of a different concept. Gotcha. Now, when you say your partner, Mike, you guys, do you have different personalities? Is he good at something that you're not good at or vice versa? Well, I mean, it's sort of, you know, in the beginning, we're super hyper, you know, we're collaborating on and on everything, on everything. And then as we grow, we're kind of forced into separate roles, you know. So he kind of right now is overseeing um, most of the culinary operations uh, along with some of the sous chefs and, and, and stuff that we have. Uh, well, I tend to focus on um, the business operations and, and our growth uh, moving forward. Okay, yeah, because sometimes working with partners can be, you know, in the beginning is great, you all on the same path, and then as you grow or as you each come up with your own different ideas, it, sometimes it can be, especially if you're not opposites, it could you could yeah. clash a little bit, and that could make it stressful for the for the business to grow. Oh yeah, it's you know it's it, when when it was just the two of you there, you know, it's easy to kind of work that out. You start bringing other personalities, start bringing other staff members, and you're forced to fill in these roles. It's um. You know, it's very important to have those roles defined. Otherwise, that's where you sort of run into these gray areas. And, you know, it's not something that we're done dealing with at all, but it's, you know, it's it helps to have those guidelines. And, you know, you always want to revert back to where you were in the beginning. Like, hey, remember when we did this and we collaborated on that? But sometimes it may be an outside hire that's filling that gap. Right. You know, sometimes it may be maybe you and your partner are still meeting on that. But it's definitely something to uh, to work towards is that 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 total, you know, working together type system. And as in the beginning, you're all excited about the business. So you, you, as you get years into the business, the, not that the excitement goes away, but that initial excitement of starting the business together goes away for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it just becomes um, a different level. You know, like we always use the analogy that it's uh, the difference between walking down Fifth Avenue during Christmas 
uh, as opposed to being like on the top of the Empire State Building looking down and trying to navigate the traffic from there, you know. Right. We're, we're so much on the street, you know. We're, we're looking down and trying to figure out, okay, how can we get from point A to point B most efficiently, uh, most cost-effectively, and with the right people in place and, and that kind of thing. So um, that's super relevant right now as we're looking at our third location. Oh, when did you open your first location? Uh, in 2010, uh, February, beginning of February 2010. And when did, when did the second one open? Uh, December 2013. So three years you operated, just about almost four years? Uh, yeah, four years. And it was, you know, it was the, the, the mistake that we made in that was assuming that everything was going to translate. You know, it, to your point, kind of, it was that we weren't ready to really um, hand over the reins to anyone because we, we literally didn't really have, we didn't, literally didn't have anything to hand anybody. You know, so everything had to come from us. So it was super stressful to be like, okay, here's how you do this. Or, hey, the dishwasher's here. He doesn't know how to do that. You know, even on that level, we were kind of still kind of struggling to get it going because as great as it was to trade off our name and be super busy from the second we opened the doors, it also showed a lot of, uh, a lot of weaknesses we had in you know, our layout of the restaurant or our staffing or you know, recipe building and that kind of stuff. Did you, did you do all of that, just the two of you, or did you hire people outside to kind of help you design the restaurant or the menu or anything like that? You know, we, we're totally self-funded, you know, so we, we had to do everything ourselves right? You know, in terms of, of keeping costs uh, low. Uh, we had somebody do, like, literally a back-of-a-napkin sketch for us, but we kind of knew what we wanted to do, uh, stepping into, you know, a space that was rough, relatively built out for a restaurant, what we wanted to do. So there wasn't too much to do, and our, our look is kind of trimmed down and rustic, so there's not a lot of design elements. Um, but for the, for the third one, we learned our lesson. You know, like, well, we actually are going to hire somebody to map out the, the kitchen most efficiently, to have a separate pickup area, to have uh, possibly a private dining area kind of set up. So, um, yeah, we definitely learned the hard way. I think that everybody starting out, it's not necessarily that you learn the hard way. It's just sometimes that's the only option is to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, you had definitely have to be hands on. You know, you have to be. You have to, you know, these guys are great, but they're only going to roll with the information you give them. Right. So the more you know about your business and the more that you can get in there and explain to them, like, no, that's not going to work there. Or, yeah, this is great and this, this will work there. And um, just provide them the information, let them do what they're paid to do, I think is, is going to be a huge asset for us. Now, in the beginning, when you opened your first location, were, were the expectations for your business that you were going to open multiple locations or did, you just, did it just happen? You got to the four-year mark and you're like, you know what, we're growing, let's open another one. No, the, the intention was always to open up several. You know, we, we thought that uh, we had something here in terms of uh, what we were trying to provide uh, in terms of being something different. You know, when we first had opened, we, we got a lot of grief, I would say, for not having, you know, some of the traditional beers on tap. You know, we were total local craft beer uh, program. And we did, you know, local wines and New York wines. We had a different uh, sort of approach to our soda soft bridge program. And... Um, once we saw that, once we got over that initial, you know, brushback of things that we didn't have that other pizza places did have, um, we started getting a different sort of clientele, people who were looking for something different. So um, once we hit that and we were on to something and we were very fortunate to get some really good reviews some, from big name publications and stuff like that, we were like, we could kind of do this again. We could do this over and over. So uh, the plan was definitely more than one, especially considering that the first location was 12 seats, like I said. So <laughs> right. um, we needed a little bit more breathing room just so we could all eat and pay our bills and stuff. But um, yeah, we definitely were, were planning to open up more than one. 
Excellent. We know you got. You said you got good reviews. Who were those reviews from in the beginning? Well, I mean, we what really happened to us, and it was completely out of left field. We obviously had no idea. Was we got a little, a little like two paragraph paragraph blurb in um, the Wall Street Journal in the, in in the Metro section, and it was sort of basically the the tone was like something different happening in Westchester, blah blah blah. And it was, um, I was actually. I mean, this is how small we were. Um, I was actually in the kitchen, but I was running food to the tables. So it would be like a pasta would sit there for more than four seconds. I'm like, okay, I just take this out. So I can see them from here. So right. we're right out to them. And they're like, oh, we're so excited because uh, we just read the article in the Wall Street Journal. And I was like, what? Are you sure, I, <laughs> are you sure that was us? <laughs> uh, are you sure you're in the right place? And um, yeah, so from there, it sort of went from there to the New York Times to um, our, our local Westchester Magazine, Best New Restaurant. And um, yeah, that, that was enough buzz. Uh, that, of course, company with some social media stuff where the timing was kind of just right, um, helped us um, get off the ground a bit. When was the article in the Wall Street Journal? How many years ago? Oh, man. I think it was had to be 2012. It came out like on New Year's Day. So I'm thinking that was 2012. Okay, because nobody would read that nowadays. No, I know. I know. <laughs> you're lucky. You're like right at the cusp of it being the perfect time to be in the paper. Well, the end of the perfect time. I know that people are just like, oh yeah, I, I already heard about it. Like before it even comes out, or it's, if it's not on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, it's like, is it even relevant anymore? I wonder. But, if, I wonder if they wrote an article about a place nowadays. If it would have that same, I don't know. Maybe in the newspaper, it feels more important because it's in the paper and the nostalgic feeling. I wonder if that's different than it is if. They wrote the same article on you, but they put it on Facebook or on Twitter or something. Yeah, I think it's generational. You know, I think it's, you know, my dad would be super excited to see it hooked and hold it in this paper. I mean, I think he still looks at Yankee scores like from the newspaper. Right. Like he'll check, score, he'll, he won't check online. But uh, I think, you know, kids, like I say kids, but like it's like even myself. If it's <laughs> kids, yeah, it's you're on right. Twitter, it's on, I don't know. I feel like 80 years old when I say that. But <laughs> the, uh, the, if it's you know on Twitter, if it's on Instagram, if it's on Facebook, it's just as relevant, I think. Yeah, I agree. Especially like you said, the younger generation is never going to pick up a newspaper. No, yeah, I'm right. You know, like my, kids, my kids don't even know what a newspaper is. <laughs> yeah, um, they know what the news is, but they don't know what a newspaper is. So, um, yeah, sorry. Right. So you got an article written in the newspaper that helped you promote you. How did you know you were ready to open that second location? So you knew you were coming, and what was that decision like between you guys to say, all right, we're going to open a second location? How did you open it? How did you know you like? How did you find your staff? How did you staff it? Is there did one of you separate and move over to that new location? Take us to that point. Yeah, so we we weren't ready to open <laughs> a second location at all. I mean, in hindsight, so we um, basically were kind of frustrated that we were you know we had like line around the block. It was super long wait, and we were like, we should just be in a bigger space. If we just had X amount more seats, if we had 100 seats, we'd be great. If we had 80 seats, we'd be great. If we were in a more visual location, we'd get more stuff, um, you know, get more more action, so to speak, uh, in terms of, you know, getting people from other areas, getting more eyeballs on us. We were super hungry to get more attention, more attention, more attention. Right. And we, um, you know, what we were really looking for, and we looked for about a year, was to be on Main Street in a town here. Because right now we're sort of tucked away in a neighborhood in our Eastchester location, which is great. I mean, it's great now because it has, it has its own sort of identity and its own brand. It's like the last neighborhood restaurant in, in this area. Um, but <clears throat> we wanted to be where, you know, people were walking by every day. So that's when we found a space like that, uh, we jumped on it. 
And, um, you know, the, in terms of setting it up, we, you know, my partner, he focused on, okay, you got to stay here and make sure this stays the way it is for now. I will move over there and deal with the contractors, deal with the permits and the licensing and uh, all that other fun stuff. Um, you know, we'll start putting ads out and bringing people along and working on some, some uh, training material that was not suffice. Um, and, um, yeah, so it took us about four and a half months to open. And we were very, very fortunate to hit the ground running. And um, but like I said, it, it showed us that we should have spent more time in the in the planning phase. So we again learned everything uh, the super hard way. What were some of the things that you wish you would have done differently? Uh, I think I would have hired a general manager and brought him on a lot sooner. Um, maybe really spent more time searching for someone. We kind of took a recommendation on a guy and. It didn't really pan out. I should have done a little bit more homework yeah. on what his capabilities were. Um, and then from, from a culinary standpoint, you know, we should have had more training. Like we should have hired our staff there and then have them train in our original location so they had a basic understanding of the recipes. Because, I mean, God, we didn't even have hardly any recipes written down. Oh, wow. So it was, um, you, know, it, it, you know, it's one of those things like, oh, it's, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy. But then you don't think about a guy coming in off the street who has very little culinary knowledge and he has to execute it. So we were purely driven by um, emotion and wanting to open another location uh, and the excitement of bringing this to another town. Uh, and we were super short-sighted on making sure we were all set up. And like I said, because we were self-funded, we didn't have a lot of money. So we were kind of like trying to conserve that money to keep the doors open for a couple months as opposed to like taking some of that money and setting it aside for training. Right. You know? That that was that was our number one mistake in my eyes. Was it an exact copy of the original restaurant? Um, yeah, I mean it's just bigger. Yeah, you know yeah. the 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 difference was that the only difference actually in our Larchmont location is that we have a full bar. So we were um, that was new to us. Uh, we had hired a consultant to help us get the bar program off the ground because it was kind of foreign to us. We're two kitchen guys, so um, that was the one sort. That was where we spent a little bit of money to try to help somebody with that, but. Um, other than that, it's it's identical. It's identical. Everything's the same. And when, let's transition to marketing a little bit. What do you see working for you in the marketing aspect of your business? I know you are a heavy social media user. You do a lot of you know Facebook and Instagram. Um, what's working for you best right now? I think Instagram Stories is working for us best. Um, you know, we had a sort of had a built-in audience there. Um, I, I, the we were going down the Snapchat route, and we, and we still do it. Snapchat's uh, mainly for, like, events and uh, sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. And I know we've had a conversation before about the hiring aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, but we get a lot more traction and a lot more feedback based on our Instagram stories. Uh, Instagram stories, Instagram posting, and we get a lot more um, informational stuff out uh, in terms of big-picture stuff. We just did a charity ride for No Kid Hungry uh, the other day uh, over at a Soul Cycle here in Bronxville. Uh, that we mainly pitched on Facebook, and we ran ads against it um, and got a tremendous amount of feedback. We wound up selling out the class and raising over $3,000. So it's, I think for us, we're fortunate now to trade off not only our word of mouth, but we have a good following on social media, and it's almost expected now. So we don't, do, we don't really spend any money on anything, uh, print or radio or, or, or any of that TV, unless they, they come to us. We're not, we're not spending money on that stuff. We we're firmly believe... Uh, believers, firm believers in um, social media, and that—that's where the attention is. That's where the eyeballs are. Right. What did, is that in the beginning too? What did you do in the beginning when you first opened? I mean, when we were in the in the beginning, Facebook had 
I don't even know if Facebook had like pages for businesses yet. So I think our first Facebook page was like a modified version, just like a, a personal page that was made into a business page. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was weird, but um, people didn't know what to do with it, and we just were sort of pushing people to, oh, are you on Facebook? Are you on Facebook? And we didn't have a website yet. So we actually had Facebook before we had a website, which I just thought about now. But that <laughs> was, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. That, was, that has been it for us. And I think, you know, if, if people always say the ROI on social media. I, I'm convinced that I, I can actually see it. You know, I can see the ROI um, in terms of if we put something out and how it moves in, in a day or a given period of time. So Now, do you say when you can say you can see the ROI, is it – because you put a certain photo of a dish that maybe is not available or not known and you can see that people come in and order that or you just when you post something to social media you just get a spike in either calls or visits yeah i think it's a, it's like a spike you know i think it's like a, a it's just like a feeling you know not a measurable roi kind of thing but it's like um i'll say wow we're selling a lot of this of this pizza today and they're like oh maybe you know if we, we did you know we have a kale pizza maybe we put the kale pizza on today and they start selling so much you know, people get in their ruts when you go to a restaurant. You know, just give me this and give me that. Right. And then sometimes you can feel that shift. Like the other day, I was just like, I had like 18 chicken parms go out in like 18 minutes. And I was like, that's a lot. Did we post a picture? That was my first thought was, did we post a chicken parm picture? Because that seems like something's going on here. I think it's a great way to, especially with Instagram, you know, if you have a, especially with iPhone, like the iPhone six or seven has such a good camera on it. If you could take really good pictures of your food, it's a great way to display your items in a unique way. Oh, I I mean, we, we are super fortunate now to have, um, somebody who works with us to do that. Um, like I said, we're in, we're in the growth phase. So we need somebody to sort of handle different aspects of the business. So we've had to make some, uh, hires, um, at like a, a corporate level and uh, one of them is a, is a marketing and social media um, person and she um, has yeah iPhone 7 and I would say 95% of everything that she does in terms of our video and uh, all of our pictures most of our pictures um, are, are taken with her iPhone I'm on your Instagram account right now and it's Pulpatina Pizza on Instagram mm-hmm. and you, yeah you have really good photos on there it's great great quality mm-hmm. great and it's not the same exact photo every time. You know, sometimes you'll go on these accounts with pizza shops and it's a zoomed in shot of the pizza on every single one. And sometimes it's good to mix it up and give a little bit of context to what your restaurant is. And you guys do a good job of that. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing because we, we are, you have to be out there. You have to do it. It just seems, you know, it seems like a little bit like, oh, I'm taking more pizza pictures, more burger pictures or, or whatever. But that's what people want to see. You know, the, you, you kind of get caught in what you see every day. Yeah. But you have to show some of that. You have to you have to mix it up and keep it interesting, and she's she's super aware of that. She's great. And you, as a restaurant, you have repeat customers that know you and come in all the time. But you also have people who are just getting to know you every day. So it's good to have all of your different things. Even though you like, oh, I posted a picture of a pizza uh, a month ago, but you know what? Maybe you have a new pe- new people who haven't seen that. So it's 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 always good to not repeat your content, but you have to repeat it a little bit because you're always getting new customers in the door. Yeah, and I think that that's been that's that's like the weird thing. We'll have people <clears throat> who will literally take. I always say this: we have people take the train up from Manhattan to come eat here, but like the people who live diagonally across the street, I feel like have never been in. <laughs> <laughs> like, how how do we reach? How do we get like other than going and knocking on their door? Yeah, I was gonna say go knock on their door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're you know that's 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 the challenge. You know that's the challenge. So 
it is uh, it's really try to say our, our approach towards social media marketing is is focus on our basics and what we do really well and put it out there because what we do or, you know, the crux of what we do is um, our, is elevated basics right we're not coming in you're not going to have a sous vide pizza right. or something like something totally different we're going to have something that you're familiar with it's just going to be really good you should go put a snapchat filter around that guy's house across the street <laughs> why don't you eat here yeah, exactly hey <laughs> we we miss you you haven't been in ever exactly um, even... <laughs> go ahead sorry no no that's what it says i I can see you every day. I don't think I can just know that I've never seen you in public. <laughs> uh, do you run Facebook ads or Instagram ads, or is it just all organic? No, we we uh, we ran some ads. Um, again, another th- another initiative that we started uh, this year was to focus a little bit on our catering. And um, you know, initially we were like, well, you know, we'd like to do the drop off services and and you know, birthday parties and you know, dad's uh, you know retirement party drop off lunch or something, but. Um, we needed something that was more consistent, <clears throat> and I would say that uh, the one thing that we did to, to to focus on was you know realtor broken houses, uh, broken houses, uh, open houses <laughs> uh, for real estate brokers. So what it was um, is a package designed specifically for these open houses where realtors are inviting other realtors into uh, the homes that they're going to be selling. So you know they're they're looking in some of these affluent neighborhoods over here. They're looking for something more than just you know uh, wraps. And, and something, uh, you know, something more. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we created a package that has um, a few different elements to it, and it's priced, uh, it's priced right, and we got a tremendous response from it. We have never, we actually have never ran another ad against it, other than maybe like I want to say that was in April or, or May, and we're still getting orders for that. You know, the, the word of mouth. I mean, the, the initial feedback on that was, I would have to say, without looking at the metrics, was without a doubt our most successful. Um, Facebook ad. Do you remember what the ad was about or what it said? Uh, it was broker open house something. Um, let's see if I can actually look it up here. It, it's it was um, broker open house, and we did so we did that, and then we actually went on to uh, Twitter and reached out to brokers in this area and said, "Hey, because the other part of it was we should probably do some of these for free for some of the, the bigger brokers in the area and have them, have a little have them influence yeah. for us." And so we literally Googled most successful real estate brokers in, in Westchester County. And you just found and, them on social or anything? Found them on social, hit them up on their emails, and just uh, said, we want to give you free food. And had them reach out to us. And uh, they did. And I, I'm sure that that helped out a lot. That's great. And there's an app. For, uh, it's called Charlie App. Uh, mm-hmm. If you know the people's email address, right, what this app does is you put input someone's email address and it'll locate all of their social networks, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And then you can kind of reach out to them on those social networks and interact with them there. Anybody who's oh, wow. looking uh, to kind of copy what you did with these brokers, because all, all real estate brokers have their email address everywhere because they want to get found. Yeah. So if you, if you do Google most successful real estate in your area and you find their email address, go to Charlie app, input their email address, and you'll find them on Twitter or on Instagram, their website, their Facebook page, all that stuff. Charlie app. Okay, cool. Um, I'll link that up in the show notes. Anybody listening to this later, so that's a cool little app that I found. That you know, you do a little bit of uh, pre-interview stalking on people. You know what I mean? Not in a creepy way, but <laughs> yeah, right. no, yeah, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in now. And I think that you know, I think anybody sort of turning a blind eye to that um, is being a little short-sighted. You know, that that's 
people have their social media profiles for a reason. Yep. You know, put it out there. And if they're not taking advantage of it, uh, either, you know, personally, I get, you know, mom, dad, grandma, I want to see the kids' pictures and the vacation pictures and all that stuff. But for a business, I mean, it's, it's, it's networking from your desk. Yep. You know, so and that, that's, I think if you tried to paint that picture for somebody 10 years ago, they would think you were talking like from the future. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. There's a, another way you can use that app too is if you have, ever get an employee that comes in and wants to apply for a job and put their email address into that, it'll find all their social networks so you can kind of see what they're all about too. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very helpful. See what they're doing on, uh, we'll see what they're doing on Snapchat, but on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, you know what I mean? You can see, kind of see what they're all about because it's one thing to write down what they're all about on a piece of paper that they know you're going to see. It's a different thing to see what they're all about when they don't think you're going to see it. Yes. Yeah, no, we, we've had quite a few instances of that. You know, good, <laughs> I think everybody good, has out there. Many, many, yeah. many, many more than they'd want to. Yeah, so it's uh, the world we live in. Excellent. So when are you going to open your third location? Uh, I actually have a lunch at 1230 and hope to have an answer to that uh, at that point. But uh, hopefully by this, uh, next summer, we will be in our third location. Where are you looking in the same kind of area where you are now? We're actually looking in um, southern Connecticut, okay. you know, west. There is a, um, it's a suburb of Manhattan, and it's getting a little bit more populated. And um, I, we think that you know we kind of look for where the families are. You know, they're sort of built around these more affluent communities of commuters who commute into Westchester for their, for their, for, uh, into uh, New York City rather for their jobs. And um, you know, we think we found some of these neighborhoods that we're, we're pinning down um, in Southern Connecticut, towns like Greenwich, Westport. Um, you know, um, Norwalk, um, you know, Ridgefield, some of those towns are um, exactly what they're, they're very similar to where we are now, and we yeah. think that the model will work. And are you going to do the same thing you're doing in the other two locations, just kind of uh, copying the menu, copying the theming? Yep, same thing. We're actually working on right now is a, not a trim down, but finding how to be a little bit more efficient with our menu and with our, with our products that we bring in so we can cross-utilize a little better and maybe make our prep a little bit easier to pick up. Um, because you know that's we don't want to water down the brand, and we're not looking at a commissary kitchen. So we are kind of still very food centric. So mm-hmm. we need we need to have a lot of prep, you know, made in house, um, you know, space to make everything there. Um, so that's a little bit of the concern. Without having something coming out centrally and having it controlled from one point, it's controlling it from three points, and especially since they're all kind of spread out. Um, but. Hopefully we won't, you know, we learned our lessons and, and we're going to be smart about it this time. <laughs> what do you, what can, uh, if you had to give someone a piece of advice that was either looking to get into the pizza industry or the restaurant business or, you know, in it now and maybe struggling a little bit and trying to get ahead, what, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, you know, really be, really be on point with what you're trying to do. Um, you know, really look for, for the white space in, in that industry. Uh, don't try to copy anything else that you've seen. You know, I, I think try to like think of your own branding and, and really stick to it. You know, I think that, like I said in the beginning, is we got a lot of grief for not having garlic knots and calzones and Budweiser on tap or Heineken Light and things like that. But it, it, after we, we pushed through that and we, we stayed true to who we were, we were able to bring in a customer base that was more sophisticated, you know, and that's exactly what we wanted. And it, it was difficult, you know, and I, and I think... That's the hard part is sticking to your guns. You got a guy in your face saying, "If you had Heineken Light and Calzones, I'd be here every day." What do you or say? To, yeah, what do you say to someone who is faced with that situation? Because I think a lot of people are. Maybe they're not having the greatest sales, 
and they think of the guy across the street who has that, and maybe if they add that, then they'll get that customer. Do you think, how, what made you stick to your guns and not add those things? Well, I mean, it, sound, it sounds, uh, it, doesn't, it sounds, it flies in the face uh, of our, our belief of enlightened hospitality, but we tell them, then go there. You know, that's <laughs> right, that's a good point. Because, I, I, um, you know, uh, honestly, I love those places. There's nothing wrong with a cold Budweiser and a Calzone. It is, I, I do it to this day. I would have it for lunch today. It's just not who we are. So if you're looking for that, then that's where you should go. Just because we have pizza uh, doesn't mean that we're going to have those kinds of things. So, you know, that and, and, and is definitely one of the tougher things to stick, stick to. You know, these people are very vocal. Um, New York particularly, pizza's like a <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's um, staying true to who you are and really map out everything. You know, talk to the right people. Talk to your accountant. Talk to your lawyer. Talk to another restaurant owner. You know, I've had plenty of guys come up to me and be like, hey, I have an idea. And this is what I'm thinking. Would you mind grabbing a beer with me and talking about it? Because truthfully, I'm of the belief that as much as, you know, I think everything's competition, I would rather be in an area where there are restaurants thriving that want to bring people back. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Because I, I hate to see somebody make the mistakes that we made. Right. Where can people find you online if they want to go check out what you're doing or your website? Uh, well, Pulpatina is pulpatina.com, P-O-L-P-E-T-T-I-N-A.com. Uh, -E and across all social media, we are at, uh, at Pulpatina Pizza uh, on Instagram, Snapchat, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, anything else you can name. Um, and then I'm just at Kyle and Sarah uh, on everything. I'll link that up in the show notes if you're listening to this later. But go check out them on Instagram. They have a great Instagram account for sure. Thanks. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. Great stuff. Great talking to you again. And uh, if you missed our live show, you can see Kyle on the show live. We did a few weeks ago. I'll link that up in the show notes for this episode too. Kyle, thanks so much, man. Awesome, Bruce. Thank you. All right. Thank you to Kyle for coming on and joining us today. Super excited to have him on the show, share what he's doing over there. You can link up to his social networks, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stuff, and the website, see what they're doing there. Um, this will be episode number 102 of the show, so just go to smartpizzamarketing.com. It'll be the latest episode there. Also, if you're looking for some digital help marketing-wise, we are over here working on this digital marketing platform. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and we've had a lot of interest, and a lot of zip codes have already been taken up. And what we're doing is we're building mobile responsive websites, and then we're encompassing digital advertising. And what exactly is digital advertising? I get that question all the time. It's online marketing when it comes to Facebook ads, Instagram ads, whatever's working at the time online for advertising, that's what we're fo focusing on. And right now, it's Facebook marketing and then building your email list and setting up email campaigns to help you grow your business and sales. If you're interested in that and you want to check out if your zip code is available, you can head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. And if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, which you're sure you are, we do a live show on Facebook and on the website and on Huzza. You should join us there. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., we bring on some guests with us or we just do a topic show. If you head over to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash SPM live, it lists out all of the topics we have coming up for the next few weeks. I think it goes all the way up until about Christmas time. So the next four or five weeks we have scheduled out and then we're working on the next series of interviews. So head over there, link up with us there, you know, say hi to us on Facebook, on Snapchat, you can add me, I am at Smart Pizza Tips, give you a little bit of behind the scenes of what's going on over here at the podcast. Join me on Facebook for some live shows, we do a lot, we've been doing a lot, I've been doing a live 
Saturday Q&A show at about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. And it seems to be a pretty popular time. You know, we started our live show and we thought that maybe Monday or or Tuesday at 8 p.m. would be good. But I'm finding that a lot of people are working at those times. So maybe the morning time is better. So shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. Let me know if the daytime or the nighttime is good for you. I've been seeing a little few people show up on these Saturday morning ones where I haven't even been promoting them, though. Uh, so shoot me an email. Let me know which one is better for you. Maybe we'll switch it up a little bit. Uh, say hello to me on Twitter. I am at Irving Media. And I think that's going to do it for today's show, guys. I appreciate you listening to me. Um, any questions you have, you feel free to email me. I love hearing from you. Uh, I used to ask for reviews on iTunes, but I don't really care about those. I really care about the interaction that I get either on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram. And then getting the personal emails from you, letting me know that you've listened to the show, you've gotten something out of it, or you've learned how to do something for your business, or any question that you have. I always love hearing from you guys and answering questions you have. So shoot me an email anytime you want. And I guess that's it for this episode, guys. We'll see you on next week's show or the live show Tuesday at 8 p.m. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you.